0: Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Corner 3 Fast Break. Tim Daniel here, talking Milwaukee Bucks basketball with none other than our hoops hype man, Alex Derrickson.
2: What's up, everybody?
1: Our Hoops historian, Sean Mackey.
2: How's it going?
1: It's going wonderful, my friend. And to bring in this in, we had to talk some Bucks basketball. To get this going, we had to bring another Mitchell Maurer. Mitchell, thank you for being a guest on the Quarter 3 Fast Break.
3: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yeah, so Mitchell, what we do when we get these shows started, when we do these team previews, is we give the writer who's joining us to talk about their team a chance to kind of explain where their bu- where their fandom started, where they're currently writing, and where where we can find their work. So go ahead and do that before we get the interview started.
3: Oh, sure. Uh, You you can find my work at brewhoop.com, the SB Nation site for the Milwaukee Bucks. I've been writing there since about 2009. Uh, Our primary writers are Frank Madden and Eric Name, uh, who, if you go to Brewhoop now, you'll see a number of stories from there. They they do great work there. I'm happy to be counted among them. Uh, In terms of my Bucks fandom, that started all the way back in 2001 when I was in middle school and the Bucks got cheated in the Eastern Conference Finals against Allen Iverson's 76ers. I'll never forget that series. I hated it so, so much, and I have suffered through every Bucks season ever since then <laughs> in the hopes of getting back to the Eastern Conference Finals, which hopefully we're a little closer now, but uh, that's what we're here to talk about. That's
0: right. Um, I want to kind of just go over a few things from the last, you know, few seasons. Um, go back to, um, let's go back two years ago. Sure. Uh, they, they were, you know, up and coming. They had a fantastic playoff series with the Chicago Bulls and Mm -hmm. I was legitimately scared of them. I was like, these guys next year, they are going to be awesome. And, um, they kind of regressed a little bit. Um, That's but pretty mildly. Yeah, they, they regressed a little bit. Uh, Chris Middleton ends up leading the team in scoring. He has a great year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played 79 games. Uh, do you think he's going to take another step forward this season?
3: I, I think that step forward is a, uh, not the most accurate way to put it when it comes to Chris Middleton. This past season that we just saw, he took a huge step forward, especially <laughs> after the All-Star break. Uh, It wasn't so much his evolution as a scorer. He's always been... He's an excellent shooter. Uh, He's been over 38% for at least the last three seasons, if my memory is serving me correctly. Um, But he expanded his game greatly last season, especially as a playmaker. After the All-Star break, he was averaging nearly five assists a game. And this is while Point Giannis, which we'll cover in a little bit, I'm sure, was in full effect. So the fact that he was able to take the burden of creating plays for his teammates when, as a 6'8 uh, wing who started his career as like a three-four tweener type of player, that was really remarkable to see. Nobody thought that he could do that. So what I think he's going to do is he's going to really refine his game to find out what he needs to do to be the best fit on the team with these other talented players. He, I don't think he needs to take a step forward. I think he just needs to kind of really uh, hone in on the finer points of his game.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think you know, I think he's gonna be he had a great year. Like you said, he, he really progressed last season and uh you know you know, like you said, he's gonna I, I, I totally agree with you. He needs to just kinda pinpoint some other points of his game and just get better at those. And um uh, you guys have a lot of wings this year. Um We do. You have uh Jabari Parker, he came back after uh tearing his ACL. He played yes. seventy six games, which is great, but only averages 14 points a game, and he was kind of supposed to be like this big guy coming out of you know out of college and everything. And he didn't sure. really didn't really make a big jump last year like everyone thought he was going to. Do you see him uh, as like a possible trade chip in the future? Do you see him uh, continue to contribute to this team?
3: So it's, it's kind of tough to figure with Jabari because of the positional uh, logjam, if you will, that it creates between him, Chris, and Giannis because they're all big, rangy, forward-type players. Uh, in terms of whether or not Jabari has a future with the Bucks, I am all-in on Jabari as a future Buck, and here's why. Last season, in terms of how the team treated it, they treated it like a redo of his rookie season. He only played, what, 30-ish games two years ago before turning his ACL in Phoenix, and they were so cautious, so conservative with his rehab plan and bringing him back on board that the first 20 games or so, he was on extremely light duty. He on unlimited minutes. They wanted to make sure that he was going to progress at the rate that was best for him. After the All-Star break, he was scoring over 18 points a game, which is exactly yeah. what you would need from him. It's fantastic. Um, he was very efficient. He shot almost 50% from the field. He was getting uh, a decent amount of shots from the free throw line. Uh, so on offense, I'm very, very happy with Jabari's progression. I think that he's going to take another big step, and he isn't necessarily going to take as big of a step scoring-wise um, because if he wants to be a successful NBA player, he's got to play some defense. He's, he's just He has to play some defense at some point. Yeah whether or not it's you know he's not going to be a lockdown man on man defender he's not going to be Tony Allen um if i could pick one person to have him copy defensively it would be Jared Dudley who the team had great success with 2 years prior
2: yeah so, looking at like Michael Carter Williams' sophomore slump and his regression that he had, I mean, he has that that barnstormer performance in his rookie game against the Heat and everything. Sure. So, with him on the Bucks roster, what is your expectation for him, given the fact that he did kind of hit a bit of a wall last year?
3: No, definitely. Uh, MCW is a very polarizing figure for Bucks fans, especially on Brew Hoop. Uh, I am one of his more lenient followers. You can put it. Uh, he's got a lot of tools, a ton of tools. He's got elite size for the position. He's got good quickness. He's a good dribbler, not great, but good. Um, and when he makes good decisions, he's a good, impactful player on offense, and he makes major disruptive plays on defense. Sure. The problem with MCW on the Bucks is that he does a lot of the same things that Giannis does. He's just not as good at them as Giannis is. So what I want the Bucks to do, and I'm if you go through my Twitter feed, you'll see this. I want MCW to come off the bench. I want him to back up Giannis at point guard. I want him to be in command of the second unit. I want him to do the things that he does best in more limited minutes so that he can still thrive, honestly, in an environment with a lower degree of difficulty. I don't want him going at starters because that's what he's done, and he hasn't been as successful. Sure. Um, So if you basically give him a little bit of an easier path towards NBA playing time, I think he could be a lot better that way.
2: So like a, a short leash but kind of like with an extension on it based on performance and everything, just see how he starts and then kind of ease him into the full swing of things? You think that'll be a move for him or...?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. He is coming back from a hip injury that shut down the season last year. Um, but the, the, whole pro, the problem that the Bucks have, especially in offense, with spacing is because they've been bereft of shooters for a little while. The free agency made them a little better. Um, but him and Giannis on the floor creates two problems. They both need the ball need to be the most effective, and they mm-hmm. both are not proven shooters on the NBA level. You can't have two players like that on the floor at the same sure. time. So if, right. if they stagger their minutes and they limit the amount of time those two play together, I think they both get to be the best version of themselves as possible.
1: Um,
0: Mitchell, last year you drafted Rashad Vaughn. Yes. With the seventeenth pick, uh, he plays seventy games. He averages three points a game. He was one <laughs> of those guys that he was one of those guys everybody talked about, uh, kind of being like an immediate contributor and stuff. He was real NBA ready. Um, but it seemed like he didn't get a whole lot of minutes because you had so many guards and wings and stuff playing. He averaged 14 points a game this year in the summer league. Uh, are you going to see a we're going to see an increase in minutes uh, since uh, OJ Mayo is uh, gone for 2 years?
3: He's been gone for a long time. And and, and all <laughs> yes. the best to OJ whatever whatever he's got going on. I certainly hope that he gets it all sorted out. Yes. Uh, R- Rashad Vaughn definitely fills a major need he's a, he at least in theory he's a great shooter and has NBA range and can do a lot of things from a lot of different angles he had one of the worst rookie seasons in NBA history last year like you, you go <laughs> to his basketball reference page and there's a whole lot of minus signs and you hate to see that um, I like what the team did with him in because ter- he's a young guy he's I think 20 maybe he's 20 yeah. I don't even know if he's had his birthday yet so he's got a lot of growth ahead of him, but with the number of minutes that he played and hopefully he's the kind of guy who can learn from his mistakes because he made a ton of them last year, especially on offense, uh, I think his shot will come around. He showed off a pretty good handle of how to handle defense at the NBA level, which was surprising. Uh, he's got good size and good athleticism, not elite, but he doesn't have to be elite, but um, for the NBA shooting guard position, I think that he can be a, a valuable rotation player. I don't know if it's this season, but next, the season after, this is when it's really going to be kind of a telling year for whether or not he's going to stick around with the NBA.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he does this year. Um, one thing I wanted to cover, last season, you guys kind of swooped in out of nowhere, Everyone thought Greg Monroe was going to sign with the Knicks. He signs with the Bucks.
3: Yep, very uh, happy to make Knicks fans unhappy. You're welcome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, he averages 15 and nine. Uh, he he kind of hit a wall, but I, I don't really feel like he fits in the system. And uh, do you think that he's is is he trade bait this year, or do you think they're going to continue to work with Greg Monroe?
3: Sure. So, so I'm far from an NBA insider. That's just let's be real about it. I am not the guy who's got the ear of executives across the league. It's no secret that the Bucks are very open to trading Greg Monroe, but they're not going to make a deal for the sake of making a deal. They're going to make the right deal for them because you're absolutely right. He is not a good fit for the system. Uh, he's unfortunately he's not a good fit for most systems because he is a slower. Uh, very much affected by gravity, large center, who is a great half-court scorer, a very good half-court passer, uh, a very good rebounder, in both in terms of his fundamental positioning and his ability to carve out space to prevent anybody else from swooping in and getting an offensive board. He, he's, in his niche, he's a monster. He really is. I look at him a lot like I look at NS Cantor. Uh, when they put him in Oklahoma City and coming off the bench. I think he would be a perennial six-man-of-the-year contender if he was willing to come off the bench. He's getting paid, I think, $17 million a season this coming Ooh. year with his player option the year after, which we all are pretty sure he's not going to take because so, he's going to cash in on that sweet, sweet free agent money next year. Yeah. Um, I, I know I would. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it was a good plan. I think they wanted to replicate what Zaza Pachulia did for them the previous season in terms of offering positional defense. And he just doesn't seem either. He doesn't have it, or he doesn't want it. And I, I, I can't speak to to know the guy personally, but it, it's it's not working. It's just, it's it's holding the team <laughs> back every every minute they play him the team isn't as good as they need to be if they want to take that next step towards contention. It's just that's just the truth of the matter. You know, I, I wish him all the best, but he is gonna have to be somewhere else if we talk again next <laughs> August.
0: <laughs> like you're so ready to with, ship this guy off.
2: <laughs> with that being said, who is that someone else? Like if you've got to ship Greg Monroe off, you know, who who plugs who plugs the holes in the roster to get you guys to that next step?
3: In terms of other players out there in terms of other players out in the league, that's a great question. Um, the Bucs at center, the Bucs needs somebody who's going to be able to protect the rim on defense. Uh, plus rebounding would be great, but the rim protection is a must-have. And they need somebody who knows his role and knows how to stay the hell out of the way on offense. Um, everybody on Brooom is going to get upset about this, but Larry Sanders would be a perfect fit of this Bucks <laughs> <for the rim. laughs> So, Larry, if you're listening, uh, at least one of us is open to having you come on. Back. I, I love it.
2: <laughs> Larry listens to the show. He's a big fan. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: yeah. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Larry, Larry Sanders, when, when he found out what his groove was, he was phenomenal. He did great oh, work on defense, and he yes. knew what he needed to do on offense in order to be effective and not get in the way. It was fantastic. We loved it. But, you know, for, for his reasons, which are more important than basketball, he wasn't able to do that anymore. In terms of the center position somebody else that can offer that, the Bucks actually have two players that can offer that already on the team, Miles Plumlee and John Henson. Each of them have their drawbacks. Each of them are not as good at a lot of things that even Greg Monroe is good at, but they offer the type of player that the Bucks kind of need at the five, uh, particularly if they're running with Giannis having a lot of the point guard duties most of the time. So in terms of other players out in the league that would be a good get for a Greg Monroe trade, um, a, a versatile wing that could work on the uh, the backup and kind of a 3-4 would be good. Uh, I know that there was some interest with Portland a while back, and a lot of fans uh, on BrewHoop had interest in Al Farouk Aminu, uh, who I'd be okay with. Um, I wouldn't love it, but I wouldn't hate it either. We kind of went through that already a few years back with uh, Luke Mahmute, who, uh, you know, is kind of hanging on on the fringes now, but, you know, he's a little bit older. Uh, it's tough. It's really tough to try because the Bucks are so set on their big three, and those big three all play 2-3-4 and rotate between 2-3-4, you know, in terms of – especially in positional uh, defense – it's really hard to find what the ideal trade target for a Monroe deal is.
1: And just to clear up, this is the Corner 3 podcast talking Milwaukee Bucks basketball with Mitchell Mauer. You can give him a follow on Twitter at WalesLarry. So, Mitchell, uh, this offseason has been very interesting for the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, you yep. bring in Matthew Delvadova of the defending champion, Cleveland Cavaliers. Yep. Um, you go and you bring in. Wise veteran Jason Terry, because you just had to get younger and more athletic. But you you got to get Chicago younger. It's very important, right? And then you bring in 19, going on 36-year-old Thon Maker, and though it's the 10th pick in the draft. So um, I am on the, I think I'm in the minority where I actually like the Thon pick as far as the prospect. Uh, I understand it's the 10th, and that's a lot of money to pay a guy. But I think that he could really end up being a decent player for the team. Not superstar. Not going that far. So sure. when you look at that, man. Uh, when you when you look at the Thon pick, what were your thoughts originally? How do you feel? couple months removed from the draft.
3: Sure. So, so I'm not going to censor myself. So, if you, got, if you if you babies out there are listening, make sure you put on your earmuffs. When they drafted Thon Maker, my reaction was this exact sound. Oh. Uh, <laughs> shit. Okay. <laughs> now that's out of the way. Uh, the reason why I reacted that way is because a couple days before the draft, we did a monk draft. Like, who do we think is going to go? and somebody actually it was me I took Thonmaker for somebody in the late teens it might have been Memphis I'm not sure um but I started off my analysis in air quotes um, of the maker pick as I hate Thonmaker's game <laughs> so that's where I was coming from I mean the guy had had come out of nowhere he was still for all intents and purposes a high school student um that could also be old enough for, to be in a doctor program. We just don't know. Uh, although I do believe the Bucks actually put out his passport photo after they drafted him, which pretty much puts it to bed that there wasn't a. There's no funny business going on. He's legally 19 years old. That's what the documentation says. That's how old he is. You know. That's just. That's the end of it. Um, I was very much down on the pick because I had a hard time reconciling how somebody with that weird skill set and no real track record of competition at an elite level. Like, he didn't play college ball at all. Like, he played prep ball in, in high school in Australia, in high school in the U.S., in high school in Canada, but it just wasn't... Like, players like that don't generally make it work. Then Summer League came around. When he played for Summer League, I was... It, it, it just not even considering his numbers at all, which were okay. His number, just a rebound numbers were actually really good for summer league. He looked like somebody who knew what he was doing on a basketball court, which is something that usually cannot be taught. He seems to have really solid instincts. He's a very, for somebody who's seven foot one, he's extremely fluid athlete. Um, and I don't know if I want him taking these shots, but he has a very good three point stroke he is a player who looks like a good shooter. So at this point he looks like the kind of guy who can offer a lot of weird things from a position that you don't usually get those weird things from. He looks like he can handle in the open court, open court. If you pressure him, you know, he's he's too tall. His dribbles too tall right now. But if he's in the open court, he can handle the ball. He looks like he can pass a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. He looks like he can shoot a jump shot from most spots on the floor, which is incredibly valuable. Um some of the more optimistic comparisons, and again, I emphasize optimistic, is uh, comparing him to Chris Bosch after Chris went to play with the Miami Heat. You know, a rangy, long five that was able to stretch the floor a little bit in ways that centers don't usually stretch. Um, I'm very optimistic on him. I want to see him actually play against professional basketball players for at least 40 games before I make any further decisions. Uh, but I will say this: that at the very least, Las Vegas Summer League made me feel a lot better about where he might be headed. I don't feel the despair that I did uh, the minute that he was drafted. That he was drafted. So,
1: um, you know, I kind of mentioned bringing in Matthew have uh, Obviously, a solid defensive player who's done who did a lot of really good things for Cleveland off the bench last year. Uh, really stepped up if Kyrie got in foul trouble, if Kyrie was hurt, if someone needed to make a play, he was really big for them in the finals. So, bringing him in. Um, what do you feel that does to the identity of this team as far as like what they're trying to accomplish? Obviously, like Sean mentioned, there's a lot of there's a lot of wings there. Um, yeah. I actually like Milwaukee's guard play, including adding Matthew. So, what do you feel like that brought to the team, especially after how he played pretty well in the Olympics for Australia?
3: Yeah, definitely. And a lot of us were very excited about how well Delhi played in the. And look, he's just got to the team. I'm already calling him Delhi. <laughs> um, a lot of us were excited about how well...
2: Delhi MCW, man, you're on all the abbreviations. Yeah, right?
3: <laughs> well, they have so uh, many
1: synonyms, you have to be.
3: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of letters on the back of these Milwaukee jerseys. Uh, <laughs> Delhi, Delhi does a couple of good things. Well, he's a very good shooter. He's a very persistent defender. He doesn't have the best tools, but he's very skilled. He understands positional defense. And let's be honest... He knows how to play just dirty enough to get away with things that other players might not get away with, which has a real impact. It really does. It's a good way to rattle opponents and get them outside of their game. Um, he is going to do a very good job of doing what he needs to do and staying out of the way on the perimeter. Uh, you know, Milwaukee is a team that's playing with an unconventional point guard. They're playing with a wing that's the focal point of the offense that is going to basically be running everything. How many other teams can say that they've done that? Oh, I know, the Cleveland Cavaliers with one of the best players ever, LeBron James. And Deli just had some very good years playing alongside LeBron. So I think that he knows what the dynamic is like. I think he knows what he can offer doing that in terms of covering point guards on defense and playing more of a shooting guard role on offense where he's able to space the floor with his perimeter jump shots. Uh, while still being a threat to, you know, dribble and create if, uh, if he gets a driving lane. Uh, so he can do a lot of different things. Uh, there's some people that are down on him because, you know, he's not a really great athlete. He's not uh, a particularly exciting player, but I think he's, he's a lower-key glue guy who's going to fill in a lot of the cracks. He's going to make the Bucks a little bit tougher because of just how hard he plays.
1: So my last question for you, though, Sean and Alex take over and give you a few more. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of guys that when they get to their induction to Springfield in the Hall of Fame, you know what team they're going and representing. Obviously, we know Shaq, the Laker, Allen Iverson, the Sixer, Jordan, sure. the Bull, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. Milwaukee has a guy on their resume that's really interesting, Ray Allen, because we all loved his game in Milwaukee and all the things he did there. We know oh, he yeah. went to Seattle and really was a superstar. Hell, if you remember his Milwaukee hype, videos, he was dunking. And then obviously he goes to Boston, and that's the big three where he begins, and he wins a championship there. I'm gonna give you a chance here to make your case. When it's when Ray Allen's time to go into the Hall of Fame, that he should be a Milwaukee Buck.
3: Ooh, okay. So here's my plea to have the Hall of Fame committee induct Ray Allen as a Milwaukee Buck. Uh, It'd be nice for Milwaukee to have another Hall of Famer, and we did draft him, so we had dibs. That's a case. Because <laughs> a case. let's let's be honest, there there isn't a really strong case. Like like Gray Allen did great things in the Buck. He was the best player that Milwaukee had for a long time. You, you know, he was one of the players that was you know is top ten scoring, great shooter, extremely athletic, like just very electrifying for the team. Uh, and that was the reason why there were so many Milwaukee fans that were super excited to hear that forty one year old, two years of not playing basketball at any level. Ray Allen was considering coming back to them. Uh, it has a lot of good feels surrounding it. But he didn't do his best work in Milwaukee. He did better work in Seattle, where George Carl foolishly had him shipped off to, and I will never forgive him for uh, He did even better in Boston, where he played with Garnett and Pierce and Rondo, and that is, that is a great team that I have a lot of fond memories of, not cheering for, but appreciating what they were. Uh, and then playing in Miami. Like, all those teams, he did more for than he did for the Bucks, Uh, in terms of production. You know, Milwaukee clings to him because he was, you know, one bright spot in a long history of mediocrity. But he's, you know, he, it's, he's, if he's going to the Hall of Fame, which he probably will, one of the best shooters ever. No, I think he is statistically the best shooter ever, uh, although Steph's coming for him. Steph is coming for him. He, he's not going to go in the Hall as a Buck. It's just not going to happen.
2: Well, I'm sold on him going in as a Buck. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, so, sometimes you got no one to punt. Sometimes you just got to give it up.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I respect that. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Um,
0: I was going to ask you one more question. Uh, you had uh, you have another guard you drafted out of Virginia this year, Malcolm Brogdon. Yep, with the thirty-six pick, uh, he averaged ten and four in the summer league. Do You see this guy having an impact at all, or is he going to get any minutes, or what's your feel on this guy?
3: Sure. So I absolutely love Malcolm Brogdon's game. Uh, he okay. he essentially he looks a lot like a, a similarly sized player to Michael Carter Williams, except he has a viable jump shot, and he doesn't want to create everything himself. He's not going to play hero ball. Uh, He's a guy who makes the smart play. He makes the safe play. He's a guy who knows when it's time to shoot and when it's time to pass. He's a guy who knows how to work and knows how to work in a defensive system. I think he can do a lot. I think he's going to be a really valuable uh, rotational guard, hopefully for a long time in Milwaukee because of his flexibility on defense and his ability to fill multiple roles without necessarily needing more uh, minutes or more shots uh, on offense the one thing that worries me is his jump shots. He's got a very flat trajectory on his jumper, uh, which showed off in Vegas. Uh, he shot something like 23% from three. Uh, that's the one worry that I have about him. If he needs to get a little bit more leg strength to make sure that his very good college three-pointer translates to the pros, uh, if he can do that, I, I see him sticking around the league for a really long time, maybe not as a starter, but as a very key contributor.
0: Okay, well, that's good. Um, yeah, I I was looking him up today, and, you know, he he looked decent, so I was just kind of curious about him. I, I had never heard of him until today. Sure. Um, Ante Takumpo, is he going to be an all-star this year? Yes. Sorry, yes. I'm not
3: going to hesitate. Okay. He is absolutely going to be an all, all-star. I'm sorry. Okay. This, this guy, he took over the point guard role. He put what were his numbers? He put up 18 points, 8.5 rebounds, 7 assists, almost 2 blocks, almost 1.5 steals. That's over 30 games. He needs to prove, he needs to demonstrate he can do that consistently. But if he can, like those are really great numbers, and that alone is going to get you an All-Star berth. This guy is—he's 21, right? He is 21 years old until December. This guy is unreal. If, and we all hope he does, if he gets a three-pointer, he is going to be virtually unguardable. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to hang back and let him shoot? Okay, I'm fine with that. Are you going to press him and make him drive? Okay, he can drive on anybody, anybody, and he will. And he's you know, a force of personality in terms of when he has got the ball in his hands. When they gave him the keys to drive the offense, he took off. He will be an all-star this year.
0: You are super excited about him. I love
3: it. <laughs> hey, I, you have to be. He's, he's the best player that we've had. I, I love the I guy. He's
0: great. He's fun. So, he's a lot of
3: fun. We, we haven't uh, had anybody in Milwaukee who's had the possibility of being a top five NBA player since, oof. I, you have to go back to the 80s in terms of even making the argument, and then before that, it was Kareem. You know, like, this, this guy is the real deal, and, you know, he's, he's trying to put Milwaukee back on the map, so to speak. So not Brandon Knight? <laughs> Beg pardon? <laughs> <laughs> Who? What? Who?
1: Who? That guy that Kyrie broke his ankles in the rookie all star
3: challenge. Ugh, Kyrie blo- broke his ankles and DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> <put his top laughs> oh, in yeah. and just um, Brandon Knight had terrible, terrible luck, terrible luck as a basketball player in terms of all those low lights. But good player, solid player, A plus worker, great work ethic, a little bit of an ego in terms of wanting to be the guy. Which I mean, I'm like I'm blame him. that's if I play pickup ball, that's me too. But I'm not getting paid that much money to do it. Um, I I was it was weird seeing him go to Phoenix and not have a lot of success because A, it justified the fact the Bucks did not want to pay him that money, so good decision on them but he's a likable player if not frustrating at times Um, I wish him all the best I don't think he's going to do a ton but hey, prove me wrong
0: yeah, I, I like Brandon Knight. He's you know, he's decent. He's, he's okay. He's fine. He got Ante Zacampo now. Yeah. Who cares about that guy? Yeah, we, the, we <laughs> got the Greek
3: freak. We got we got the best point guard in the NBA if all goes well.
0: Point guard. <laughs> yeah, point point to Zacampo. Yeah. Yes. Um right before we go, uh two questions. Uh where do you think the Bucks will finish this season? And a bold prediction. Any bold prediction for the Bucks?
3: Sure. So so if uh, Giannis getting the All-Star game wasn't bold enough for you, uh, here's another one. I think Chris Middleton is going to get to the All-Star game this year. I really do. I, like I think that Chris Middleton is going to be able to score at a little bit of a higher clip. I can see him putting up over 20 points a game over the first part of the season if he puts up a higher volume of three-pointers. He's a great shooter. He doesn't shoot threes enough. If he shoots threes more and keeps up his... Uh, his contributions on the offensive end in terms of playmaking, and he continues to defend as well as he has, and flash that versatility that is almost famous for. I think he can also get to the All-Star game this year as like one of those last picks that gets in, uh, because hey, if you play in the game, it still counts. In terms of where the Bucks are going to end up, I would be happy with forty wins, a flat forty. That would be a big step forward. Uh, I don't want to be under. Yeah, it's it's you know a big step up from last year because last year was very disappointing. With the team constructed currently, there's too many things that can slow them down. Monroe is going to play a lot of minutes. Monroe is going to hold them back. MCW is going to play a fair amount of minutes, and if he's not coming off the bench, like we talked about earlier, he's going to hold them back. And they got five new players on a 15-man roster. That's a lot of continuity that you don't have from people that are going to be pretty big contributors. Um, there's a lot of. There's a lot of wrinkles that need to be ironed out. I don't think they're going to be, you know, 45, 50 wins. I don't think they're going to do that. They might not make the playoffs. 40 wins would be good. It would be a great thing to build on for the next year, which is when stuff is really going to get real for them.
1: So, again, uh, Mitch, we want to say thank you so much for taking some time to talk some Milwaukee Bucks basketball with us on this edition of the Fast Break on the Corner 3. So, before we go out here and close, go ahead and uh, give a shout-out where people can follow you as far as social media, and one more time if you want to plug your website.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, find my work at brewhoop.com. That's the SB Nation website for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, If you want to get my... Uh, occasional posts on Twitter, you can follow me at WhalesLarry, uh, it's Whales the animal and then Larry the name don't ask why, it's a long story um, and then we also have the, the Locked On Box podcast presented by Brew Hoop. that is hosted by my good friends Frank Madden and Eric Name I am an occasional, emphasis on occasional contributor there uh, but yeah, if you want some more of these dulcet tones that's where to go <laughs>
1: Excellent. Well, Mitchell, thanks again, man. Uh, best of luck to the Bucks this year, and I uh, look forward to talking to you a little down the road. And see where-
0: Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand-new
1: website at thecorner3.net.